0: Live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Welcome to Ticket Weeknights
1: on 93.7 The Ticket and the FM.com.
0: This is the Husker Extra Hour here on 93.7 The Ticket and the TicketFM.com. I'm Austin Norman. I'll be taking you through the next hour. As always, I'll be joined by Sam McEwen and Tom Chattel, both of the Omaha World Herald. They'll join us on our VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service With local heart, as always, make sure you check out Omaha.com for uh, everything that Sam and Tom write. Let's bring Sam in right now. Sam, uh, reading your grades column, uh, you gave Nebraska an overall C for their performance against uh, Wisconsin last night. To me, it seems like that's a fair grade for really most of Nebraska's games for the last month and a half or so. Based on what you've heard from Matt Rule, his body language and all that do you think he's more frustrated by not being able to get his guys to play at you know, higher than a C level for a full game, or do you think he's encouraged that his team is still competing while it's not at its best?
2: Probably the the latter. Um, you know, you always have to zoom out and look at the big picture. Nebraska hasn't quit. Um, they haven't played, you know, a god awful game uh, since Michigan. Um, they've they've played a lot of close games and they've won a few and they've lost a few. Uh, so, you know, after they lost to Michigan, uh, they won, uh, I, think, I think it was three straight over Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue, and then they lost three straight uh, to Michigan State, Maryland, and Wisconsin. And you can kind of match those teams up, right? Like Wisconsin and Illinois, very similar teams. Uh, Wisconsin beat Illinois, but they beat them right at the last second. Uh, Purdue and Michigan State, very similar teams. One was on home, one was on the road. And then Northwestern and, and uh, you know, I mean, Maryland are pretty similar, too. Uh, you know, Maryland's, uh, I believe, 6-5. and five. Uh, So is Northwestern, and Northwestern beat Maryland. And so, you know, I, I think you have to kind of look at it like that. I think you win some of those, you lose some of them. Um, there's just very little margin for error uh, with this team right now. And when you have that little margin of error, you know, what you hope is that you go 500 in those kind of games. Right now, I would say that they're a little below 500 because uh, they lost to Minnesota at the beginning of the year. So, you know, that's that's just kind of where things are at. Those teams, you know, they're not perfect, but but they're they're battling.
0: You mentioned all those teams at six and five, Nebraska at five and six. I think if you told Husker fans going into the year that they would have a shot to get bowl eligible against Iowa. They take it without knowing any of the context, but if you told them that you had, they had five wins going into November and they'd still be searching for number six, I'm sure that would change their tune a little bit. How have the last three weeks, you know, changed or impacted the conversation about this team going into Iowa?
2: I think fans are a little frustrated with what they see from the offense. Um, I think they've, you know, and they were frustrated by the the end of game situation last week against Maryland and I've heard some grumbling about the end of game situation this week against Wisconsin. You know, what I will say is that, um, the Maryland thing, I think was a lot more objectionable than what they did against Wisconsin. I understand people don't understand why they let the clock run there, but of course they don't get the first down and, you know, things get a little interesting. So, um, I I can understand why people were frustrated by that. I, I don't think I think the goal that what Nebraska was trying to do there is make sure they did no worse than the tie and then go to OT. um, and they they were able to achieve that. So I think there's some grumbling about that. I think there's some grumbling about, you know, not things just not feeling like they're just so and that's because the margin of error just isn't big enough. I mean they, they cannot afford to make small mistakes. And you know, there's a couple programs at Nebraska that I would describe like that. And then there's a couple of programs at Nebraska that I wouldn't. You know, Nebraska volleyball has a huge margin of error. They just do. Mm-hmm. They can have an off night and they still win. I think they kind of had an off day today against a, a bad Iowa team, but they still swept Iowa. Uh, Nebraska baseball has no margin of error. And so they can't they can't overlook, you know, a midweek team, North Dakota State or whoever it is. They can't overlook that team. Nebraska football has no margin of error. They, sh- they have to play well every single time they play in order to win especially when they're in league and they, they just haven't done it consistently enough. And so um, I think that's where they find themselves and, and they're going against Iowa. And I'll tell you what, they can beat Iowa. They can, they can beat them. I don't know that they will, but they can. And, and they'll have to, they'll have to play. They'll have to play well. Iowa's a good team. It's a unique team that is, uh, you know, you don't necessarily look at a team that won ten seven and 15, 13 and uh, scores like that. And necessarily say they're good, but, but I was good. They do a lot of things really well. And so Nebraska's going to have to play smart football in order to win.
0: That's been on Nebraska's docket for a while. Now they've succeeded at times. They haven't succeeded at others. We're talking with uh, Sam McEwen of the Omaha world Herald here Sam, for people that might not understand the thought process as a coach, take them through how Matt rule, Marcus Satterfield and the offensive staff handled that last drive with the chance to score the touchdown, uh, but kind of playing for the field goal, not using the timeouts.
2: Can you need to say that again, too. I didn't quite hear you.
0: Sorry. Um, for the fans that might still be questioning the end of game situation, can you kind of walk them through what Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield were thinking and why they they played it the way they did?
2: Yeah. The only thing that they were really thinking of right there is that, um, you know, they were going for a field goal to win the game or to tie the game, and they didn't want to sacrifice that. And uh, I think the one thing that they could have done differently is. When the clock was at about 40 seconds, call a timeout there on third down, before third down, run the play, and there you go. And, um, you know, they, they didn't do that. They waited until 20 seconds. Then they ran the play. I think they had, gosh, was it 12 seconds at the 13? Mm-hmm. 12 seconds left. They decided to run one play, and they kicked the field goal. Um, you know, Matt Rule likened it to last week's situation. It wasn't the same situation. Um, but that's the way you looked at it. I think they're just, I I don't know how many plays they had. I'll be real honest with you. I don't know how many plays they had when you got to overtime. I think you saw how many plays they had. (laughs) They didn't have a lot of plays left. Um, first play of overtime is an option. Right. You know, come on. I, and that, that's, I don't understand that play at all. Um, that's not the play I would run. Certainly not. But they didn't have a lot of plays left, and I, I, I think you know they kind of knew that. They wanted to get their field goal. They were satisfied with what they had done, and they got their field goal. Um, certainly, in a, in a in a perfect universe, you're managing the clock differently there. But in the perfect universe, you got a quarterback who's not making his first start of the game, first start of the season. Um, you got you know like a Tanner Lee back there firing in at the end zone, throwing to a guy like Stanley Morgan. So they don't have that, and so uh, I think they played it a little conservatively. But I, I, I don't find what they did this week as egregious. I don't find it egregious. Last week I thought they made a mistake. Uh, they should have kicked the field goal there and relied on their defense to get the job done. Um, but, you know, now they're in a little bit of a pickle because, you know, the week before they're like, we're playing to win, and then on Saturday they played to the tie. Um, so I have to be consistent and say that I prefer the more conservative approach in both – well, certainly in the first circumstances – Somewhat in the second, um, but uh, you know they seem to reverse the op- they seem to reverse the results there, and I I think that frustrated some some people. So um, you know they didn't want to risk an interception. I don't really blame them. I think if you get a timeout there and you you take a timeout at the forty second mark, you convert the third down, you're at the twelve or thirteen or whatever it was, and let's say you got I don't know thirty seven seconds left you have a chance to run a quarterback draw there and, and maybe maybe you hit it just the way that Wisconsin hit theirs and, you know, maybe you make it interesting, you know, and maybe, maybe you get that thing down to the four and then you call another timeout and then, then there's some plays you can run inside the five that are pass plays that are a little different than, you know, the thing that they ran at the seven. You know, you can, you can start running fade plays and you can start running quick slants and some other things, but it's not easy at the twelve. At the 12, it's not easy. Um, you better you better know where you're throwing the football. You better have a back line play. You might have a corner route. There's some other things that you can do, but the quarterbacks have to sift through the traffic. It's not always easy.
0: Looking at the quarterback, what do you make of Chubba Purdy's growth from his first start at the big house at Michigan last year and the improvement he made in a year to get in his second start at Camp Randall?
2: I thought he played well. Um, I thought he threw the ball, uh, got the ball out, got the ball out on time. Um you know, hit a couple of deep throws, but also got those quick ones going. So I was impressed um, with uh, with with the work he did, and and thought he played well. And then he and then he ran when when it wasn't there. He ran, and and there you go. And so it was, it, you know, it was the best that it was the best that, that he could do. I think he, I thought he played pretty well. And um, you know, what kept him off the field before now, I, I, I don't I don't know. We got to do a better job of reporting that, obviously. Uh, as reporters, we need to figure out, you know, what kept him off the field. Um, obviously, maybe it was the groin. You know, maybe maybe that was the issue, and that's that's unfortunate because uh, he, you know, he looked a lot more spry on Saturday than Heinrich Harburg looked against Michigan State. You know, mm-hmm. I think Harburg. The turning point for Harburg was late in that Purdue game. I. He took some he took some shots in that game, and I just don't know if he's been quite the same since that game, that since those plays. And um, I thought Purdy looked a lot better than Harvard's looked, you know, against Michigan State or Maryland. And I understand that he's, you know, I, I, I just we'll just have to ask better questions, more questions about you know the nature of that situation because I think if Jack Chubb Purdy plays against Michigan State, Nebraska wins the game and you know that's that's some stakes there's some stakes at play and uh you'd rather go win at michigan state and i was there the crowd was not exactly jacked up um then have to beat iowa Iowa's was a much better team than michigan state so you know we'll see what happens it's probably going to be pretty on friday and it's going to be a different experience than he had against wisconsin because well Iowa's nasty i mean they're mm-hmm. they're a nasty defense and they will uh they will get after him and they will try to turn him over. They'll try to get some picks too.
0: Let, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side, Tanner Mordecai. He looked like prime Clayton Thorson to me. I mean, dicing Nebraska up with his legs in maybe a slightly unexpected way. Was that a credit to him? Maybe, you know, sneaky athletic moniker pointed on him or is that just bad tackling and bad scheme from Nebraska? Uh,
2: a little bit of both. Um, Bad tackling on the one in the third quarter. Um, when Wright just didn't wrap him up. On the overtime one, I've watched that play many times, and I just—I don't know. You know, it looks like it looks like uh, somebody gets out of the gap, and and you know, Wright kind of ran past him, but Wright was off to his left. It, it felt like they they caught him in something, and and nobody got off the block, and. Um, sometimes when you you know, what you wanna to do to prevent a quarterback draw is you wanna muddy up the middle. And if you muddy up the middle, they're not gonna bounce it because their momentum's already gone forward. So they didn't do that. They actually created a lane for him and uh, he was able to able to hit it. A lot of times quarterback draws are really effective on, on a three man rush. So if you have a three man rush, you know, and you run and you hit a draw, those two guards can kind of just come up unabated. They can just go to the second level, and all of a sudden you got lead blockers, and you know that's why you'll see that play sometimes on third and sixteen, uh, and it works. Um, shouldn't work on third and eleven when you're bringing a six man blitz, but it did. And yeah, I think Mordecai was you know crafty um, as that offense maybe learns a little bit more about itself as the season goes on. There's things they can get done, and you know they had some man beaters, and and they did a nice job with that. And they hit some crossers, and you know I. I'm not going to say they made it easier for Wisconsin. I'm not sure they did Um, because they, they made Mordecai pause quite a bit, but you know, he, he protected the ball. He didn't put it in harm's way. He was smart with it. Um, He did the right things. And, you know, ultimately I thought Nebraska played pretty well up there. And, you know, the C grade, I guess, is just reflective of the things they weren't able to get done, especially defensively wearing down. But I mean, I thought they played pretty well that that wasn't a terrible performance at all. I, I just returned the report card, but you know I would have given them you know a D or something worse at Michigan State. I they should have won that game. That's the game they should have won, and they they just uh, sort of flat and disinterested, or not disinterested, but something. Mm -hmm. And then last week against Maryland, you know, it happened. But now they got to find a way to beat Iowa. They can do it. It Might be seven six. You just never know. Just got to find a way to you know to to manufacture ten to fourteen points hope your defense can can hold Iowa all day.
0: What are your impressions of the Hawkeyes? Obviously, defense first, offense still struggling. Is the offense as bad as maybe people on Twitter would have us believe, and where does this Iowa defense rank compared to some of the the really great units of years past?
2: It's as good of an Iowa defense as we've seen in terms of its structure and its playmaking. I don't think they have maybe as much talent as they did a couple years ago or last year, but they're tremendous. Uh, they have the best punter in the nation, and that's no joke, and that's a big deal. Um, they're so well-coached on defense. They do things that are just so smart uh, that it, it is hard to figure out. You know, They don't have a ton of weaknesses, so you got to try to find those, and those aren't always easy to find. On offense, they're going to run power. Um, they're not running as much zone as they, they normally do. So was long been a zone-blocking scheme team. They run a little less of that and they run a little bit more power high for high formation, downhill, and they can run the ball. Uh, they have a pretty good running game. It's not bad. Um, you know, usually the way Iowa wants to de- use its run game is to run it for about 140 a game and set up a pass game that throws for, you know, two, 220 and and keeps the chains moving and the clock clock moving and all that. They, you know, was very comfortable scoring 21 to 24 points and, and, and calling it good. They, they don't have a problem doing that. And the only teams that really can force them out of it and make them struggle are the top 10 teams in the country. Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, you know, those teams. They can make Iowa look really stupid, but nobody else can. Uh, and so, you know, Iowa will keep it. They'll balance it out. Uh, their offense isn't overly complex, but, you know, they can block. They're physical. Um, to be very honest with you, that Iowa bothers Nebraska. Iowa's offense has given Nebraska uh, some trouble. And... So Iowa's offense, you know, against other teams is what it is. Against Nebraska, it, it has had problems. I will say that Nebraska is going to run a lot of man, uh, probably. And, and so I don't know that the quarterback, Deacon Hill, is going to run anybody. You know, He's he not going to run. He's not a runner. He's not going to beat you like Mordecai. So, you know, I think they'll, they'll have some more success stopping the pass. And um, But, you know, Iowa has a formula. The formula is effective. Um, it's like Wisconsin basketball when Dick Bennett was the coach. They went to the Final Four. Now, who cares if it's aesthetically pleasing? Um, they knew what they were doing, and and it's kind of like that. And you have to you have to deal with with what they bring to the table. And you know what? If you want to beat them, get better players, and or make some plays. You know, get a Trey Palmer to go over the top. That's what, that's how you beat them. And a lot of teams really struggle to do it. They come close, but they don't actually win the game. And when and guess what? It doesn't matter if you come close, especially on Friday. Um, close, close won't get you a bowl game. A win will. And we'll see what kind of team Nebraska has.
0: I was just going to say last thing for you then. On that kind of intangible side of things, do you give Nebraska an edge coming back home Fighting to get win number six after letting three opportunities slip away, um, and with Iowa having wrapped up the Big Ten West, or is Iowa you know not out of it intangibly because of how last year went and how Nebraska kept them out of the Big Ten uh, championship game?
2: Oh, Iowa doesn't can't stand Nebraska, so intangibly they'll be they'll be ready. Um, no, I think last year they just Nebraska outplayed them and, and outplayed them really well early. And Iowa's quarterback issues were such that you know they were in betwixt in between. They were trying to trust a guy who who just couldn't get it done. And Petris and then Padilla, Padilla was the same way. Um, Padilla, however you say his name, I don't remember. Um, no, Iowa. Iowa would, I would treats this like a rivalry. They'll they'll be more fired up than Nebraska probably will be because Nebraska's been blasé about it, and as the losses have piled up, I got the sense that they cared more and more and more. And I felt like last year they were, they were able to unleash that because they weren't playing for anything other than the pride of winning that game and the trophy. You know, they knew Mickey wasn't going to be the coach. They, they weren't playing for a bowl. They were just playing out of clean old fashioned hate, you know, pride. And it showed in the way they played. I don't know how they'll play on Friday. I don't know if that rule will embrace that, you know? Um, this 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 program the university has a hard time embracing that stuff. They don't like doing it, and they should, but they don't like doing it. And so um, Iowa has Iowa. Their coaching, I mean, their coaches don't like Nebraska at all. So um, they've managed to make this game very personal for Iowa. Iowa will come in and play very hard. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that you know there's Iowa is limited by their quarterback play. Um, if they had Tanner Mordecai, they they might be ten and one. You know, uh, coming into this game. So, um, yeah, but, but they don't. And so they have to, they have to do what they can do and, and they're limited in what they can do at quarterback. So I guess we'll see. But I don't know. I was intangibly will have the edge because, because they put a lot of energy into this rivalry and, and, uh, they, they will take a great deal of pleasure in sending Brian Ferenc out as a winner in the regular season finale if they can.
0: Sam McEwen, as always, thanks for the Inside Huskers Hawkeyes on Friday. We'll look forward to reading you throughout the week on Omaha.com. Thanks as always, Sam. You bet. Take care. Sam joins us on our Allo VIP line, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Let's take a break. On the other side, we'll be back with Tom Chattel. He'll give his thoughts on Nebraska-Wisconsin and a little look forward to Iowa. I'm Austin Norman. This is the Husker Extra Hour on 93.7 The Ticket.
3: Back to the Ticket Weeknights
1: on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
0: Austin Norman with you hosting the Husker Extra Hour. Big thanks to Sam McEwen for jumping on the line just a couple minutes ago. We head back to our VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. And we welcome in Tom Chattel, also of the Omaha World Herald. Tom, Nebraska almost did it. They almost went up to Madison and won. They had a close call their last time uh, up there in Madison, had one in 2016. Uh, but yet again, Nebraska falls to Wisconsin the 10th straight time. This is a series I think the Big Ten really wanted to get off the ground. Nebraska hasn't held up its end of the bargain since joining the Big Ten. And there's a lot of factors. What do you think the biggest factor is in this Nebraska-Wisconsin series not becoming you know, Nebraska-Iowa level in terms of intensity?
1: Yeah, I just think it's it's just plain and simple that the Wisconsin's had the better the, the, the better line play over the years, and, and they they've they they've, 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 they've also had bad, the better running backs. Now, you know Nebraska for a while had, had had Abdullah and some other guys certainly, but they they've just blocked and tackled better. You know Nebraska's been really sloppy over over the last decade or so, and. Wisconsin is a team that does things very, very solid, they're very very, very, very sound, and everything they do. So, and they have been well coached. I, I think the last couple of years, Nebraska has has, has matched them up uh, front. Um, you know, good God, they should have won last year weekend. <laughs> they just couldn't stop them on that last drive, and and then this thing. I thought this was Nebraska's. I thought, that, I thought this was their the best game of the season last night. And uh, probably, maybe without doubt, the best game that they played up there. Um, so, still not good enough, though.
0: It's not because you end up in the loss column yet again. 24-17, Wisconsin beats Nebraska in overtime. And, Tom, I think that's a streak that got a little run, but, but not much in the, the conversation after last night's game. Nebraska – not just hasn't won in overtime since 2014, but hasn't scored a point in overtime since Bo Pelini's last game, and that spans, you know, now three coaches in in Mike Riley, Scott Frost, and now uh, Matt Rule. Obviously, what's going on with the Huskers in overtime over the last decade?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I'm really having not... a I remember the the, the the Mike Riley. How many overtime games have there been? They played one up at the Madison with Riley. Um,
0: I think six or eight of them since then. Six. That's right. Six. I don't yeah. remember.
1: I, I don't remember a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, that that's weird that they haven't scored. That they you know, have had the the players to do that. Um, I guess I'll just go with the, the old standard. Uh, uh, lack of execution <laughs> that's the, that's got him in the end of this bowl this bowl was streaked as well so i'll, I'll, I'll just go with that <clears throat>
0: so yeah since uh 2015 nebraska has had uh at miami in 2015 at wisconsin in 2016 northwestern back-to-back years 2017-18 colorado 2019 michigan state 2021 and then this year's wisconsin game no points they've lost them all which is just an absolutely incredible streak but it spans quarterbacks too chubba purdy almost led a a game-winning drive last week led a game-tying drive this week and i think he looked much more in control and in command than he did in his first start at nebraska in the big house what do you make of chubba purdy's improvement and confidence game from his one start last year to his
1: start last night it, it was a, a total revelation, Austin. It just the I, mean, I, I said before the game the only I think I thought Wisconsin was going to win. I thought this will be ugly. Wisconsin's not playing well. Uh, Nebraska can't really score. I said for Nebraska to win this game up here, they're going to have to have something unexpected happen, something that, that just that just kind of it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And well, that's something was Chubba Purdy. We hadn't seen that all year. Uh, certainly he hasn't played and, um, cause he's been hurt, but, um, I think they, 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 I mean, I'd like to see it again next week, but I think they, they, they got their quarterback. Um, and it just kind of happened by accident, uh, because Heinrich Harper got hurt. Um, the guy who we'll played last night is the quarterback that they need. Um, Chubba threw the ball right to receivers. They weren't high. They weren't low. They weren't here. They weren't there. I mean, he made plays. He, he got out of trouble. He was really elusive and and uh, kind of shifty, and he was uh, deceptively fast. Mm-hmm. The touchdown run was like, where did that come from? He went boom, 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 and then a couple of runs, he scrambled out of the pocket and almost got the first down, but um, – He's just very poised. Uh, and So, you know, was it perfect? No, of course not. Uh, it never is. But he showed me a lot. I, I mean, it, again, I'd like to see him back that up again. But, um, I, you know, it, that tells me is the, if he can be that guy, they may not have to go. It, it takes the pressure off, off of going into the portal the season. And I think they still will. Um, but, I mean, if he plays like that, I I think he's going to be the guy going forward.
0: Let's talk about the skill positions, too. We've seen a lot of young guys cycle into the rotation due to injuries and maybe just elevated play as well. But you look at Emmett Johnson, 13 carries for 50 yards. Jalen Lloyd, the long touchdown, bouncing off a couple tackles. Malachi Coleman, that 26-yard catch to move the sticks. What do you make of Nebraska's young skill position guys? Do any of them look like they can be pieces for this team in years to come?
1: I think so the receivers especially um, I just wish we'd see more of Emma Johnson I feel like mm-hmm. we would get that thing going and then and and they get that thing going and then all of a sudden they they it's time to it's time to run reverse or time to run the you know the the pass back to the quarterback which by the way neither of those plays was blocked at all right. there was a guy waiting to uh, to uh, uh, they had a, a defender was right there waiting to, to make the play blow up. So, um, but so I just, I feel like they get the thing going and, um, then they, they got a pass, and you know, but last night there was, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see more of it. I am John, They've got, you know, um, Ramir Johnson's done, but, um, um, Urban, I think uh, I think he he, he, he he can come back, can he? I mm-hmm. think yep. so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they're gonna. Give, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably make a pass out in the portal and see what else is out there. They have they, certainly got um, you know, I think a lot of options though. I I think that's uh, those are good options. Do they need to build depth? Yes.
0: Uh, let's talk about the Wisconsin running game too here on the other side of things for the defense, Tom. I mean, Wisconsin has had running backs go forty carries for 156 yards against Nebraska individually. That's what Wisconsin did as a team. Braylon Allen played the most he has in a few weeks, twenty-two carries, but only sixty-two yards. What did you make of Nebraska's rush defense against this Wisconsin offense?
1: Good, but not good enough. Again, mm-hmm. they they played and they, they they stood him up a couple times on fourth down. They they gave the ball back to the offense in time to make that last drive, um, but just the, you know there were a couple of, a couple of plays where Wisconsin, um, you know Mordecai kind of found a guy who opened and it just it just seemed like there was always a play that just kept the Wisconsin drive going or got them into the end zone. Just Nebraska hasn't been as as efficient or. or as a dominant as they were earlier in the year. Maybe they're wearing down. Maybe some offenses are figuring things out, but, um, but I give them credit. Um, they, they rebounded They they were, they kind of struggled there in the, the middle of the game, second or third quarter, but they bounced back into fourth and, and, and then they gave them a, a chance to, um, you know, go win the game. But, uh, you know, in, um, Overtime, Braylon was still, (laughs) he's still running the ball. He got in the end zone. Uh, The one time that they didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback at all. But the one time they threw a blitz at him in overtime, he caught it and he he saw it coming and he got out of the way and he, he, he gained nine yards. So they're just a step and a play behind at at times last night. um, And didn't get enough pressure. So, um, but I say that about the the punter, and about everybody. They're just they just need to they need to bring everything together for this Friday, and just play their absolute best game of the year.
0: And they needed to go to a bowl. Nebraska sits at five and six. They've seen Maryland get bull eligible with a win over Nebraska. They saw Wisconsin do it last night. It's got to be about Nebraska's turn, Tom. It feels like the the three weeks before the three losses. Nebraska was getting away with some stuff. It almost feels like some sort of, you know, cosmic football justice tab was paid. So it all comes down to Black Friday against Iowa. I think if you told Husker fans before the year that they'd have a chance to beat Iowa to go to a bowl game, they'd sign up for that. But the last three weeks have changed the conversation. I think there's some some angst and some frustration or disappointment in this fan base because they've already had three chances at it. Now it comes down to Iowa, who again might not look pretty, but is on something of a role in winning the Big Ten West already. What do you make about the, the conversation around the Nebraska Iowa game this week?
1: Yeah, it, it's funny how the, how the how dynamic works. I mean, at the beginning of the year, people would have loved to, to have had six and six. They got, I must say, they got spoiled, but they got, <laughs> they, they got teased a little bit. They got their hopes up. With uh, f- four games left, they're sitting at five wins. Well, surely this will happen. We'll get that six-one, and they haven't got it. So now the frustration, which I think people, most people understand, this was the first year of, of a long-term project. Um, you know, I think people were ready to be a, a little patient, Um some of are going to expect, you know, a lot more next year and, and, and year three. But now they kind of got their hopes up and. What well, I thought was really kind of funny was um, uh it went last night when um, you know they you know a real mismanaged the uh, the clock on that on that last drive and, and people are going nuts that he didn't attack and he didn't try to put more you know he didn't, he didn't try to go for the touchdowns and and he was too conservative and he settled for the tie and overtime and I just said you know last week we were on the guy. Because he was a conservative and he tried, he tried to go for the the jugular, and he got burned. Now we're mad at him because he 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 was conservative. So I just think people just want to win. That's why they're frustrated. They, you know, I just it's. I'll tell you what. Last night I was sitting there in the press box, and I'm going to myself, um, okay, ten seconds is off. Twenty seconds is off. You're wasting time. But Then I'm also saying to myself, "Okay, um, don't do anything stupid here. <laughs> don't try throwing passes in the end zone because they haven't had a turnover." And I wouldn't dare say that out loud; I one not jinx it. But they haven't had a turnover. I'm thinking that that damn turnover is coming. Mm-hmm. If they if they tempt fate, if they press their luck and try to start chucking balls in the end zone, it's going to get tipped. It's going to get, They're going to throw to the wrong guy. And, and and then everybody will be really pissed that they didn't get the the, the field goal uh, off to the good as in overtime so I'm just like going just get to overtime get the field goal now get to overtime and, and then just take your chances um because it's just it may we, we've seen so many times Jeff Sims in Minnesota um, throwing that ball before halftime and intercepted in the end zone and just every week it seems like there's been some play that happened that got in the way of them winning. And I was sitting there. So last night I was not saying, you know, take your shots. I was saying, don't take your shots, take the field goal, and let's try to get out of here. But um, the bottom line is people are on them. They want to win. And um, I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, back-to-back weeks were were saying, no, no, no. And then, then next week, no, 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 and, yeah, for something else. So um, they just want to win. So. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people are exhausted. <laughs> We're, it's been a it's been a roller coaster and it's been a grind for everybody.
0: Would a bowl be enough payoff to get people to be you know done being tired of it? Would it be exciting oh, yeah. enough to get to six? Yeah, six? yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's. Uh, in fact, now it feels like the only the only real progress that anybody's going to is going to want is is going to that bowl game. If they don't go to the bowl, they lose their last four and they end up five and seven. I'll I'll be able to write, there was progress. This thing is better. It's just not good enough. But nobody's going to want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to want to read that. Um, At this point, they just need to take that last win.
0: Last thing for you then, Tom, on that similar front who has the intangible edge coming to Lincoln on Friday? Is it Nebraska going for win number 6 with a rival at home? Or does Iowa still have an intangible edge despite wrapping the Big Ten West up with revenge on its mind and trying to keep Nebraska home from a bowl game? Well,
1: Iowa's got the edge uh, there. They, they had no pressure. Um, and, they you know, Ferris hates Nebraska already. And, you know, it's, uh, the very definition of a rivalry is, is, is to... Uh, inflict pain on your rival. Well, uh, well, well, what better way for them to inflict pain than to deny Nebraska going to a, a bowl game? So um, that's all set up on a T form. You're uh, gonna get the ten points first. That's my question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that will be answered on Friday, Tom. As always, thanks for the time. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll look forward to the dispatch from Black Friday.
2: Uh, can't wait thanks
0: a lot appreciate it there he is Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald with us on our Allo VIP line uh, Allo where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart we'll take one quick break I'll wrap up the show and get you set up for the Husker Rewind Tom and Mike Tom Stevens Mike Melby waiting in the wings for the Husker Rewind that comes up next after we wrap up the Husker Hour here on 93.7 The Ticket Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and the Ticket Austin Norman back with you one final time here on the Husker Extra Hour. Big thanks to Sam McEwen and Tom Patel for joining us on our VIP line, brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Joined in studio by the guys who are coming up next, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Guys, I said it last night. Fool us once. Shame on right, shame on us. Hmm. Shame on them. Fool us twice, three times, four times, five times. Shame on us. Shame on and us. Shame on us. Absolutely shame on us. Nebraska's right there. Again, I'm sure you guys will talk about it, but how do we keep letting ourselves fall for the okey-doke?
4: Well, I, I think we all watch those games at the end, knowing that Nebraska, by this uh, I mean, how many, they've lost more of the one-score games than anybody in college football, mm-hmm. certainly over the last four or five years. And so you know this, you've seen this movie, you just don't know how it ends. Every movie's the same and there's just a different punchline uh, at the end. Uh, this week, it's just mismanagement. Oh, yeah, last week was mismanagement. I guess <laughs> mismanagement uh, is a theme different ways where last week you, you had the explanation that, hey, we were just trying to, to win the knockout blow and, and score a touchdown where they could have kicked a field goal and won that game. Mm-hmm. This week, they needed the touchdown to win the game, and they settled for the field goal, so it feels like there's some things to criticize and not so much the players, I think it, it, it falls squarely on Matt Rule, the management situations of the last couple of weeks. If I told you
0: Nebraska had no turnovers at Wisconsin, you'd probably feel pretty good about your chances.
4: Yeah, well, one the first turnover that didn't even count. The I mean, last that, one. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the last one, and he had to make that throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a great throw. Probably could have been completed for a first down. Uh, but Purdy played great. And, and you've got to say that that version of Cheva Purdy, Mike, would have lifted to Nebraska to, what, seven, eight wins by now? Yeah, I still think if if Chubba Purdy would have been
3: healthy to come in and replace Jeff Sims in the Colorado game, I think he would have. I think Harburg was third on the depth chart before the groin mm-hmm. injury to, to Purdy from everything that I've heard. I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I don't know, uh, but that's kind of what I've gathered from a lot of things that have been said. But at the end of the day, I, uh, bottom line is, I said it last week, as a coaching staff, your job is to put your players in positions to be successful and Marcus Satterfield offensively continues to put Nebraska's players mm-hmm. in difficult positions where they got to make a spectacular play or let's go be aggressive unless we can go win the game. And I it, it mean, none of it makes any sense. I'm, lo- I'm, I'm genuinely losing a lot of my belief in this staff, including Matt Rule, and whether or not they can have a championship caliber well, team. Yeah, I get it. I don't steal it. too much of
0: your conversation. What else is coming up on the Rewinder for the next couple hours? Uh,
4: we've got Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Of course, we'll talk a lot about this stuff. We'll we'll do the grades. We've got uh, the PIXA Density. Tanya Taki will be on the show. Volleyball clinches. Yes. that's the right. The
3: going up. And uh, oh, yeah. a lot of Husker basketball talk today. Nice. Well, that too. And then congrats to John Walker and the uh, the so Husker, Husker soccer team Elite headed Eight. to the
4: Elite Eight. It's really cool. Heck really yeah. Cool.
3: Tom Stevens, Mike Melby on the Husker Rewind
0: coming up next. Once again, big thank you to Sam McEwen and Tom Chattel of the Omaha World-Herald for joining me here on the Husker Extra Hour. From Husker Extra to Husker Rewind, don't go anywhere. Two hours with Tom and Melby comes your way here in just a minute on 93.7 The Ticket.